0: Guys, what's up? I, I really enjoyed this conversation with Helen. It was a getting to know you conversation. It's funny how I didn't know that she was Caribbean, and that kind of like sneaked in there. When I heard her voice, even when we were doing the consultation, I didn't hear it in her voice, but I didn't hear her accent, her Caribbean twang until. I talked to her in this interview. So that was a pleasant surprise. Also, drawn to her entrepreneurship and her determination. coming into this country isn't easy. But it needless to say, her determination and her focus and her drive is an inspiration. And I wasn't expecting that at all, was that? I, you know, you never know what you expect when you talk to people. But I did not expect for her to inspire me the way she did. So this has been a busy month for me. There were two presentations that I did. One was with AIADC's Emergent Architects Committee. And I have another one that talks about Clotilde Woodard-Smith and how I grew up in her building. At the time of this uh, recording, I am still working out the kinks of the presentation and i'm excited i am i'm excited to to talk about and i get to dive deep into what i originally wanted to do so it was a perfect storm for that to to happen so i'll let you guys know what what transpired so and tweet i want to get to the interview i'll say no more than 40 minutes total for for this so short and sweet, just like how she is. I don't know if she's short or not. <laughs> I never met her in person, but definitely a sweetheart. So here you go, Ellen. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well on this Valentine's Day. How are you?
0: No, you're my love. You're my ah,
1: uh, you're my love too. You're like the first person I'm speaking to today. So blessed you. and highly favored girl. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me. I actually was wanting to talk to you for a long time. Oh. To be quite honest. But I don't know why I waited till now. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I was like, I need to talk to her. Because I love your product. Like, I just, I love your product. And I can't wait to find out the, the story behind it. I think that's why I want to talk to you. Because that's like, you have a story. And I want people to hear your story. So.
1: Thank you. Hopefully I can. Articulated this early Sunday morning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're too great. (laughs) So uh, on that note, I met you on Instagram. I don't know. We never met before, correct?
1: We've never met before. I don't know who slid in whose DMs though. Was it you? Was it me? I can't remember. I can't remember. It was a nice interaction.
0: Yeah. And I was (laughs) like, I need, I need these pens. I need these pens in my life. And you know, just in general, what you post and you know, I was like, I gotta follow. So I Thank
1: follow. you. It was a pleasure to meet you. i at that point, I had not listened to an architecture focused podcast. I had this naive notion that they might be boring or just something I wouldn't be interested in naively. Don't come from me in the comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I started to listen to you know your interviewees and the way you were handling yourself and your topics. And I was intrigued and I really wanted to work with you. So thank you for sliding in my DMs, girl.
0: No problem. That's it's, it's part of the Valentine's Day. I got you. I got you today. Yes. You know, I'm yeah. Like...
1: Send in the love. I receive it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you are you a
1: true New Yorker? This is what? my work voice.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I'm from the Commonwealth of Dominica. I do have a different accent, though. if my mother calls right now, it'll, it'll just pop up. So I'm from the Caribbean and I came here to go to school and I
0: just stayed. How old were you when you came up here?
1: Do I need to share my age? No, no, no,
0: no, I mean, was it, was it college? You came up here for college.
1: I came up here for college. So we call it university. I did college back home. So I went, I did build an engineering in Dominica back home for two years top of my class got a scholarship that helped me to partially pay for school here so the scholarship was awesome but then it wasn't enough to pay for school so coming here I had to figure out the culture how to support myself how to eat how to enter school it was a whole
0: culture shock for sure to adjust what was the hardest thing to adjust the
1: cold <laughs> I think so I'm from the Caribbean I love the heat love the breeze, the sea breeze. And then my first winter, I would say probably my first five winters, I came in 2003, was really hard on me, hard on my body. I didn't know how to dress for it. No one taught me about wool socks. I, I don't know. I just was very naive coming here with two suitcases, wanting to be an architect. That sounds kind of weird when I say it now. But yeah, that was the hardest part, the weather and also the culture, like Black culture here, It's very different than Black culture in the Caribbean. Also, again, maybe this was my naivety, but I wasn't exposed to many of the um, disadvantages that Black persons face here or discrimination as well. So coming here and finding out that I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that or I wasn't accepted or I couldn't get this apartment, there was just so many layers of, I don't know. it It was really weird my first five years I had to learn really quickly how to survive, but New York's been been great. I still love the city. I'm still here.
0: Did you find your Caribbean brethren when you came here? Like, was that the first thing you just? Where's my people?
1: I I think I had to. I mean, I found it in school for sure. Mm-hmm. I went to Queensborough College, that's in Queens, and I found Caribbean people there, other Dominicans who had migrated here as well and then living in Brooklyn and then Queens, you sort of, it's a large Caribbean popu- population. And so you're able to like eat the foods that you grew up in, speak in the French Creole sometimes, you know, have those same jokes. So yeah, I, I found my brethren also through church, going hopping around to black churches. I started to find people who had really similar backgrounds of mine and also trajectories and goals. And so that helped me to be more confident in my move to the U.S. Definitely.
0: Why architecture?
1: Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why architecture? So growing up, I wanted to be an artist. So my parents were fortunate enough to put me through art school and music school for a few years. And through art, I was able to express myself. I'm an only child. So I typically didn't have many to talk to except for my cousins mm-hmm. and so through art I was able to express myself and I said to my parents before 10 years old that I wanted to be an artist and I don't think they thought that was a viable career I mean our black parents typically want us to be something like a lawyer or a doctor engineer or a doctor something where they know you'll be okay right with that salary and my dad he he credits himself to me wanting to be an architect which I don't know if that's true, but let's just give him some credit here. <laughs> he started to take me on construction sites and particularly of our home. So he would take me to see how the foundation was, was built, how the walls went up. He would take me on the roof to walk it as well with him, show me drawings of the guys who are on site, et cetera. And he instilled in me that, oh, you could do this. Eventually I was like, I could do this. And at 10, I made the decision that I wanted to be an architect, I didn't see other other women in Dominica at the time who are architects, but I guess it didn't occur to me
0: that I couldn't be one. Why'd you pick the U.S.? Like you could have went to London or... Like...
1: Yeah, I could have gone to London. That, that was on my list. I could have gone to Cuba. Cuba has a great architecture school as well, but I guess the U.S. to me seemed more accessible. Also, I've been to New York before as a I think as a three-year-old, and the photos that I saw were really inspiring. I wanted to go to a school that could expose me to global architecture, and so I thought New York was a great melting pot for that. Besides, there's lots of Caribbean people here.
0: I Mm -hmm. thought, okay, New York City. It's not too far from home either. I mean, Cuba would have been closer, but you know,
1: Cuba would have been closer. When I think about it, it was kind of a leap of faith actually to to decide as an older teenager, that, oh, I'm going to come here on my own. I'm, I'm not forgetful of the dangers that I put myself in in doing that. But at the same time, I feel like if you have a goal and you want to be that, then, you know, bet on yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I would say. Yeah.
0: How was architecture school for you?
1: It was great, but it was rough. So I went to the Bernard and Anne Spitzer School of Architecture. That's in City College in New York City. I did a five-year b For those of you who don't know, that's a professional degree. It comes with a, a beautiful thesis year at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it was great because it opened my mind to different ways of thinking, right? Like first year and second year was, was hell. Learning about these theoretical things of space and time and threshold, and it was just crazy. But then it started to click after a while when we started building things and sketching out our ideas and then moving into computer design and, and building models and stuff like that and then going to site. So that was really fun for me and making friends during that time was really fun for me because there were a lot of immigrants as well at City College who were doing the same things as myself, working full time during school, going to school full time. That in itself is tough having a part-time job on top of that, renting a room, trying to learn the culture as well. So I had classmates who were the same trajectory as myself. It was rough because as a young woman on my own, trying to afford all of the the materials for studio. And I feel like people who have never taken an architecture degree have no idea what studio is. Mm -hmm. So let's just break it down a little bit. Studio is this how many credits was it like six or eight credits it was it
0: was it was large because it took half the day it was like a four hour
1: yes half the day and then you have to spend half the night or most of the night prepping for it or a few days Mm -hmm. but the materials for me in particular were very expensive like the wood what else did we use use wood a lot like
0: also, chipboard and keyboard. markers and not not cradle of marker no it had to be the prism color yes all types of mediums and yeah um, and then when you print you have to pay for printing you had to pay for you, you
1: know, do it's it's, <laughs> it's a lot if you're lot. if if you don't have like parental or family support and you're here on your own it it, it was a lot so I definitely had to work outside of my school time in order to afford all of these. So that for me was the hardest. But other than that, I don't regret architecture school at
0: all. So you finally graduated. What was your first job?
1: My first official job was as a store designer for Duane Weed and Walgreens, actually, which I didn't expect, but it was actually pretty fun. So I got to work on many stores across the country, many of their high profile stores as well. Crafting the retail strategy with the team, but also doing the actual drawings, working with architects and our contractors, going to site, evaluating work, also evaluating merchandise strategies as well. So I did that for about four years, actually, and almost moved to Chicago. They offered me to move to the Walgreens HQ area Mm -hmm. in Chicago. And then I took my job at AECOM and I stayed in New York City.
0: What was that decision? like? Were you... Was it the money? What was it? Was it a boy? Like what? What was it?
1: Oh my God, boys! Oh Lord. <laughs> let's table the boys. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, it was not the money. I would have made more money if I had taken the the new job and 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 moved to Chicago. It was because I had a really good trajectory in store design for a well known pharmaceutical company, like everyone knows Walgreens, right? Mm-hmm but I really wanted to learn about different types of architecture. So with Walgreens, it's it's primarily retail and there are other offshoots of that, like office design, wholesale design, et cetera. But I wanted to work for a company where I could learn about different typologies. And so AECOM being one of the largest firms in the world is highly diverse in their, their architecture and engineering and design strategies, and so I applied. And when I got interviewed and I got the job, I I I said to my boss at Walgreens, I'm sorry, but I can't take it. I had already taken the like they give you a few thousand for you to help to help you move. And mm-hmm. I already accepted that in my bank account. So I was on my way out. Then I got the call about, you know, taking the job at Acom and then I had to retract at that point. So it was it was a pivot so that I could be, I could learn more about the craft of architecture.
0: It was that a career point. strategy move you made.
1: It definitely was. The the money, I, yeah, I don't know. Money is good, but I really wanted to learn and be good at what I do. So, yeah. So, so where are you at now? So I'm at Skidmore Owens in Merrill now. I'm New York based still, but, but we work on projects all over the world. So it really doesn't matter where you are based really. So that's where I am right now. And I've been fortunate. My, my leaders have enabled me to not only be on the technical side of architecture, but also part of the management team too. So right now I'm, I'm on the management team of a really large airport that we're doing in Kansas city and also leading out in our social equity lab or equity design lab. What we'll does that entail? So I guess I'll give a little history or a little context about it. So during the 2020, like the the spring and summer, many of my Black and brown colleagues, we were really fatigued. We're hyper-vigilant and hyper-aware of all the injustices injustices that happen in our community, right? Like offline, we're all in these groups where we share videos, we share alerts, hey, this happened, etc. I feel like other cultures may not be aware of that we do in the Black community. And so when Mr. Floyd passed away, although it was a catalyst for other people or more people to be aware of what happens in America to black and brown persons, particularly black, we were already aware. And so we wanted our colleagues and our leaders to understand the mental fatigue and sadness that we were going through while still having to perform at a really high level at our jobs at home during the pandemic. That was really eye-opening and heart-wrenching to do. We wrote a letter that we recited at a global town hall to let our colleagues know that we were hurting. Mm. And from that, it spun into months and months of working with a leadership committee called TED, T-E-D-D. It's the Talent Acquisition, Diversity, and Development Committee. It comprises of partners and directors and HR. And long story short, SOM did release a 34 equity action plan, and it spun out of all of these discussions and negotiating and thinking about the future, thinking about how we could make not only our culture within SOM better, but our industry as well. And so you can check the website, som.com, and look at our 34 action plan in detail. And one of those points was to focus on high impact projects. And so, building upon such a great legacy of the firm of design excellence of you know the diversification of, of projects we pitched to the partners to create the equity design lab where we would focus primarily on making sure that those particular projects and other projects within the firm as we liaise with like practice leaders that would focus on equity and different levels of it too because sometimes you can use the word equity as this brand name or a call to action that's really vacuous. With us though, we have been looking at the layers of it. So at first, you know, in the front of people's mind, it's always social equity, but there's also environmental equity. We know of examples where good design, quote unquote, does have negative effects on black and brown communities' health or even focusing on projects that promote economical equity, right? Like whatever you do also enables the community to benefit from it five to 10 to 20 years in the future because you've brought vehicles for their economic growth. So that's particularly what the lab will do over the next few years. And I'm grateful that they approved it, the partners. And I'm grateful to my colleagues who are part of this, leading this effort within the firm.
0: Hmm, It sounds exciting. I'm glad you're, you're part of something that's so innovative. Yeah.
1: So it is exciting. It's definitely a learning curve and I'm really excited to be a part of it and to contribute to the future of the firm.
0: We we talked a little bit about prior about NOMA and you didn't know about it in school. How did you find out about it?
1: I wish I had known about it in school because it has been such a great community for me. But at the time, City College did not have a NOMAS chapter, a student chapter. They they do now. And I talk to them now, and which is awesome. I found out about NOMA on a whim. I would go to the AIA, different, you know, various committee meetings and stuff like that. And I believe someone said to me, well, how about a NOMA meeting? I, I can't remember who that angel was, but someone said to me, how about a NOMA meeting? And I happened to just stumble upon it, really. And that's how I, I learn about this community. But I will say this. I don't know her name, but she was an older architect. I remember she had white gray hair. I was at a, a convention. I want to say it was t- 2019. And she said to me, this is your tribe. I'll never forget it. She said, "This is your tribe as you go through your architectural career." And she was saying, you know, she was saying to me that this is your support system. These are people who will understand your trajectory, will help you, will, you know, will recommend you. You want advice, we're all family. And I had never felt that type of warmth in a professional setting ever right? Architecture to me is always very competitive and who gets this talk and who's being seen on social media, who did this design. And, and this lady was saying to me, this is not what this community is about. We're uplifting each other. We're here for each other. And we're going to increase our numbers together. That never left me. Hmm. And I tell every new person I see about that. And I wish I knew who she was. I wish I knew.
0: It's definitely a community. Like I, I grew up with NOMA. Like literally high school. I grew up in Noma and uh, wow, I, I, I don't know anything else. And I take that for granted too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, like, it's your family. It's like your aunt, it's your uncle. Family. Like it's just. Yes. It's, just, it's so
1: weird to me, but I love it. Mm-hmm. So I serve on the, the New York board for NYCOBA. So I do finance ma- management as the treasurer there. I love serving. I served on the planning committee for the conference before that in Brooklyn it has been such a delight, actually, and actually at the conference in Brooklyn at Noma, that was actually the start of Architect Pins, that many people
0: don't know about. Actually, oh, let's let's just dive into that. Like, how did <laughs> how did Architect Pins come about? You say it happened in in at Noma. What's the story? It happened at Noma, but I guess prior to that was
1: I went to the the AIA convention, national convention in Las Vegas. Pascal Sabla, she had an exhibition, you know, for Beyond the Build showcasing Black designers. And I was one of them. I wanted to go, couldn't afford to go. So I applied to be a volunteer where you could get like a a reduced like convention ticket. Mm -hmm. And while working with the AIA staff, they would have their lanyards filled with these large buttons that that had Sketches of architecture, like prolific architecture of Las Vegas or Nevada. They would have slogans. They would have AIA logos or like AIA phrase words, etc. It became like a little competition to collect all of them. But it was also an icebreaker of, oh, where did you get this? Oh, where did you go to school? You know, it, it was for someone like me who I feel like I'm an extrovert, but I'm I can be really shy as well. It enabled me to meet other young architects, all because I had a ton of buttons hanging off my neck and people would just ask me questions about it. And so it dawned on me during that AIA convention that this was a way to share our design identities. For someone like me, it was an icebreaker to have a conversation. So fast forward to that. I had that idea, but fast forward to that, being at the the NOMA conference, I ordered the black architect pin. So what, the ones you see on the site, the black and gold
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the black architect one that has the the black liberation colors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I ordered those. It came the day before the first um, day of the conference that I had I had to speak on that day as well. So I had no time to sort of, you know, present it well, like on a backing card or anything like that. It was straight out of, out of the, the FedEx box into my bag, took the train, went to the, the conference and after I spoke in the morning I pulled it out of my bag and I said hey guys there were a group of of young women around me from from all over the U.S. we were talking I said hey guys what do you think about this it was the black architect pin the black and gold in its original manufacturer packaging mind you (laughs) and I remember they were like Ellen, what is this? This is so awesome. Like, How much is it? Can I have one? Where can I buy it? They were just bombarding me with all of these questions that I hadn't had the time to think about because I just got the package. Mm -hmm. And I remember I sold quite a few of them um, out of my bag and then eventually on the Nicoba table for $10. And then some of the older architects would see the pins on others and ask where they got it from and then would lecture me nicely though not in a bad way you know you know how it is it's family right it right me on the value of what i was providing which was so that it was so great for me because i remember one architect said to me do you know the value of what you're creating here and i said i think i do you know i had this you know mm-hmm. this crazy you know this this answer i can't remember right now and then she said to me no you're providing another way to have a voice Wow. And so, from that, I know it's like it's like all of these little gems. Mm-hmm. That that's why I just can't leave Noma. It's just so, yeah. it just can't. And that was actually the birth. I had to go back after the end of the conference and ask myself, "Okay, L, you want to do this? Let's go." People are receptive to the Black Architect pins, and then I started to make the Architectura pin, Architecta pin, the design protest pin, the justice pin. I have so many ideas that I cannot fund yet, but they're coming.
0: <laughs> they're so coming. when when you announced that you make custom pens, I was like, what? I wanted a pen for a long time for oh. podcasts. Like, the whole point of the logo was so that it could become a pen. Like no that, way. that was my idea. And so I went online and I saw some pens and stuff. And I was like, I don't know if I want to support these giant company right yeah. like they're huge making pins like there's no love there's no care or anything yeah so when I yeah. saw yours and the opportunity to you know do a custom one I was just I was like I need to talk to you I need I need this pen in my life like and that then that
1: is so cool
0: and then from from a customer point of view you were just so like you was like, okay, we'll set up a meeting yeah. and we'll talk about it. And, you know, I already had my design and everything. And then you send me some proofs and we talked some more. And it was just, you was just like, I loved working with you. Like it was. Oh, thank you. Such, like I loved working with you. If I have another pen idea, I would definitely come to you. Even refills. Like I just, I, I, would I
1: appreciate that.
0: Come for, come work, you know, not work for you, but come.
1: You can work for me too. I'm trying to expand, Melissa. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. I feel like pins are visual communicators and they can be very personal. So for you doing it for your podcast, you had your idea, you had your logo, which was which was great. But I also wanted to show you different ways that your pins could have been expressed. So I'm, I'm happy that you were also open to that. And then other people who I work for as well, create pins for, they don't have an idea of a logo or what they'd like to say or what they like other people to feel uh, when they wear their pins. And so we have these discussions about the intrinsic part of the pin. Like I, I'm a designer, I can design anything for you at the end of the day, but I want to understand what is it you'd like the person who wears your pin to feel about themselves, about their message, where they're going, who they are as a designer or an architect, what is that characteristic that they don't necessarily verbalize, but when they walk into a room, they want everyone to know, okay, this is me, right, Mm -hmm. by whatever they're wearing. And so having those warm and open conversations, I feel like as part of the consultancy is, is really important. It's not just a pin, it's a part of you. It's an extension, it's an accessory, and it's an important one.
0: Where did you get your entrepreneurship from? Because I know for me, it it took a long time. Mm-hmm. The whole point of graduating and becoming an architect is to be a sole proprietor, is to mm-hmm. I feel like it's been training you back in some business parts that are like, no, that's why you have, yeah. you got your MBA, right? Like you, you went back. I do. That.
1: Yeah, Many people don't know I have an MBA. I don't know. Many architects don't have one. I don't know why not, but-
0: it's, it's important though, right? you've learned so much from going back to school and, and getting that MBA. And I, I have no clue, but it's, it just feels like it's a setup for you to run your own firm, even though they don't teach you that at all, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say though that an MBA, you can have a, a successful business without an MBA. And so I decided to go back to school for an MBA. I went to um, Northeastern because I wanted to be more of a strategic thinker. That's, that's primarily why I got my MBA. Mm-hmm. At ACOM, many of the, the men that I admired who were VPs and, and, and leading like regional entities there, they all said to me that, yes, you need a design and a technical background to know the craft, but you also need to be a really great strategic thinker in order to lead companies, right? And so it was actually through my experience at AECOM that encouraged me to get an MBA. Hmm. Because one day I would love to lead an entity, but that's a secret desire of mine. But in terms of being an um, an entrepreneur, I wouldn't say that I grew up with that ambition at all. I did have a a freelance um, graphic consulting company on the low again for a few years, but it's always been a way for me to express certain aspects of my personality or ambitions that I can't necessarily express while working for someone else. And right now I don't necessarily want to, like there's this CEO who I admire. This is a weird pivot, not weird, but it's a CEO of Messing a Bottle. Do you know her?
0: Yes. It's not Kalia. I think think it's
1: Oh my god, we're it's we're forgetting. I know, her exactly, name. She's
0: in Baltimore. So she's not She's in
1: Baltimore, yes. Yeah. She's an architect. She left her her six-figure job and she's leading her t-shirt company, messing the bottle. I admire her so much. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I want to leave my job and, and do architect pins full time, but it's it's that way of thinking of knowing that you have a message to share. That's the entrepreneurial spirit for me. I feel like all the technical things like taxes, you know, bootstrapping, marketing, et cetera, those things I'm still kind of learning, but those things I can learn. But then having the zeal or having the this this burning fire in you to to do something greater than yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It could it could be pins, it could be, I don't know, buildings, it could be trucks, it could be whatever it is, small or large, but that's the spirit. It's I want to share this with people. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is. And I, I'm, you know, and I admire her. Actually, I've been following her for a long time
0: Yeah, Um, watching her
1: trajectory. Like she's just so inspiring to me. I wish I could meet her
0: one day. Me too. (gasps) Her, her, her storefront is actually not that I don't want to say, I mean, I can drive to it, put it that way. So I just feel like all I got to do is is Google it. And in looking at her Instagram posts, I think I know where it is yeah but oh my
1: god like, we should go and do a drive-by not not drive-by in that <laughs> sense but like you right. know a drive-by stop and meet and greet <laughs> oh my gosh so inspiring i followed you ever since you were i'm a little stalker i stalk people on on, on linkedin i'm not gonna be shy about it i do i do that yeah i,
0: I do that too i stalk people I, you have
1: to like yeah, that's what it's for Oh my God, this has been great. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a labad. That's that's where I promote BIPOC designers, primarily on Instagram right now, and it's a different take on promotion of of BIPOC designers. It's I really wanted them to share their inspirations within architecture and design, not necessarily what they've done or where they are. There are other There are other very successful platforms for that, but a characteristic that's really important to me is black joy and allowing other people to experience all of black joy. And part of that is futurism, it's imagination, and it's sharing the things that inspire you to be the creative that you are. And so that's why I created Ella Bod, the Instagram account. And I hope to continue that for the next few years.
0: So where can they purchase your Archie pins?
1: So you can purchase architect pins at www.architectpin.com. Follow us on Instagram as well, the same tag name. And if you have an idea for a pin or you just want to talk about the process, send me a note. It's called a pin query. I'd be happy to chat with you. And I hope that you join me on this journey.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Ellen. You've been, this has been fabulous.
1: Thank you, Melissa. I am like so inspired now. Now I'm going to reach out to the CEO of Messing the Bottle. This gives me uh, a little bit of confidence.
0: Oh, see, <laughs> you follow her. She, she also has a clubhouse. Have you been to her clubhouse? I
1: don't know if I like clubhouse. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to get good on Instagram. Now there's this other thing. I I don't know
0: clubhouse I don't know either because clubhouse is like I love it it's oh, it's, a, it's a great you know background but sometimes the conversations be lasting for two or three days and I don't have time for that like,
1: oh wow yeah
0: it's crazy like, start that's an the- hour four hours later people are still talking and just, people have that much time that's the thing I can't home- all this time at I cannot host a clubhouse like I I was talking to someone about it and I was like only way I can host is if you have like five other people and mm-hmm. I need to be able, I need to be able to hop on and hop off
1: like, yeah Wow I, I don't have that time I
0: honestly don't have nobody
1: that time. should have that time. I do have a question though in terms of intellectual, intellectual property mm-hmm. So when you host a clubhouse, all that verbal information and gold who owns it?
0: Well, the thing is, they don't allow you to record. You cannot record on Clubhouse. Interesting. If you, so if you try to hit the record button on your phone, you will get an immediate warning. They're Like you're wow. not allowed to do it. But okay. as podcaster, there's a lot of talk about ways to record it, really want to record it if you host a room, there are ways that you, you have rules and guidelines Mm -hmm. and depending on the host, you can say you are allowed to record. You are not allowed to record stuff like that, or this is being recorded or something. People have done that too, but you are a thousand percent correct because they they say some things and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is people pay thousands of dollars getting this information. Yeah. Yeah, And and on the flip side too, a lot of people are doing misinformation. It's an infomercial. Yeah. So they, they tailor it that you think you're getting one thing and it's like, buy my product, buy my course.
1: That's not good. So. Oh, wow.
0: It's interesting. No idea what the trajectory of this thing. I'll
1: wait. I'll, I'm a late adopter. (laughs) I'm just trying to get used to Instagram's like, what they call it, the algorithms? I, I can't even stay ahead of those, much as for new social media platforms. So.
0: I mean, I don't do Facebook anymore.
1: I don't either.
0: It's, it's
1: Also, just... my Dominican friends and family are on there. So yeah. that's why I keep up the account, but I don't really do Facebook.
0: Yeah. WhatsApp, I still do, because that's the only way I get to talk yeah. to my family.
1: Love WhatsApp. Where's your family from? Trinidad. Ooh. I go to Trinidad a lot. Why do you go to Trinidad? Because I love Trinidad, girl. What do you mean? I love Trinidad. One of my besties is there, Nikisha (laughs) Powder. She's an architect too. She just did her first mansion. I'm so proud of her. Mm. Um, I love, you know, if I I do want to work in the Caribbean and I would work in Trinidad, Barbados, home of course, because we have a lot of opportunity there. But yeah, I go to Trinidad a lot two years ago sadly so I was supposed to go home last year and then the pandemic hit would love to go home this year but my parents are are like you know I don't know they're in their 60s and you know they I don't want to accidentally bring anything to them so uh, hopefully I can go home this year but I miss home it's tough not going home it is tough don't make me cry
0: no no carnival (laughs) this year it was really, really hard. I'm watching. Nobody people. has carnival.
1: Nobody has calypso either. I wonder if they had calypso shows. I'm not too sure. And they, then f- they did. Well, I mean,
0: so I was watching. They usually have the whole soca monarch um, mm-hmm. thing, and they did it behind a green screen, and they just showed oh, reruns man. of past ones. That's but they sad. in in the you know <laughs> in, they announced it. Yeah. I didn't care for any of the Soka songs this year. I just didn't. I didn't even know. hear them. Yeah. Just, I
1: don't know. I, I know no, nothing really popped up on my radar to be like, okay, this is a hit. Right. To be honest. soca and calypso. actually, I think people are just, you know, everyone's a little mentally burnt out, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But the Caribbean, we're still here, resilient and strong.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Ellen, for talking to me and sharing. It was my pleasure. This was fantastic. All
1: right. Thank you. Thank you for
0: having me. Bye. Bye. Hey, listeners. I have an exciting announcement. I decided to launch a membership program for the show, where you have a chance to support me and the show directly. I love creating the show, and it means the world to me that you all tune in to keep hearing me week after week. But it takes an immense amount of time and energy to produce. I want to keep the show going and I want to invest in its growth. And I also want you to become a partner with me in this journey. That's why I'm excited to give you a chance to officially become a supporter of the show at glow.fm slash archispolly or by clicking the link in the show notes. It's quick and easy, it takes less than 30 seconds, and just takes clicking a link in the show notes and using Apple or Google Pay. You don't have to create any new logins, and you can contribute as much or as little as you like. If this show is part of your day or week, and you like what I'm doing, then visit glow.fm slash archespoly, all one word, and support me and the show in any way you can today.